Hi, welcome everybody. Excited to talk about some new publishing from Oxford uh, with a few very special guests, some of the authors. So let's get ready to rumble. I'm going to dive straight in with some introductions. I'm Aaron Wilkes, over 25 years experience working in schools as a teacher, a department and faculty leader. Um, I lead the History PGCE course at the University of Warwick. I'm an author and series editor for OUP at Key Stage 3 and Key Stage 4. I'm involved with the, the BBC um, as an educational consultant on the Bite Size and Teach platforms. And I co-own with Richard McFarn the history journal practicalhistories.com. Just popped into the room, it looks like, is Josh Prey Gary. Welcome, Josh. Josh is a head of department at Parkview School, where he champions decolonization and anti-racism within the curriculum. And this has led him to receiving a, a National Diversity Award. He's currently studying uh, an MSc at Oxford Uni, where he's focusing on teaching and learning. He's a GCSE examiner, a textbook writer, and his consultancy work specialises in Black British history and pre-colonial African kingdoms. Uh, I'm also joined by Becky Carter. Hi, Becky. Becky's a secondary history teacher of 10 years in Nottingham, experience as a, as a mentor for PGCE and skit students and as a, a current ECT mentor, has spent lots of time working to diversify the school's Key Stage 3 curriculum with a particular focus on LGBTQ plus history alongside running the school's LGBTQ plus student group, long-standing member of the History Teacher Book Club, and is keen to include historians' work in her lessons. We're also with Dan, Dan Lyndon Cohen. 30 years, Dan, where's that gone, I bet? Um, 30 years in the history classroom as a teacher, a head of department, a lead practitioner. He is also the director of School's History Pro Project, SHP, author of several books on multicultural migration histories. He's an ed consult um, for BBC Bite Size, National Portrait Gallery, um, Imperial War Museum and, and the Colonial Countryside Project, an exam constructor, a spec writer for o OCR, and he tweets at at Dan Linden. And last but not, but by no means least, uh, Alex Fairlam, senior school leader in charge of teaching and learning and CPD based in the Northeast, a proud member of the HA Secondary Committee and the school's Northeast Steering Board. Her research interests centre on diversity within the curriculum, evidence-informed teaching and learning, practice within schools and social justice in education. And she tweets as at lamb underscore heart underscore T. What a team, what a writing team. You know, it's a bit of history teachers assemble. So with a, with a general opener, uh, and just to open up a bit on the, the general topic of these new Key Stage 3 books. There are four books in the series in total. British Empire, African Kingdoms, Fight for Rights and Migration Nation. So they're the four books. And we've seen loads and loads of interest in these depth study books. What, and I'll, I'll perhaps direct this to Alex to start with. Why, in general, do you think there's been so much buzz about this new series of depth study books? I think a lot of it is that 
there's a very common shared understanding in the history community that diversification is an important thing that we need to be working on collectively and within our own context. So the why I think has been kind of long established over the past few years, but I think the kind of the stumbling block for many has been the how, you know, what might that look like within my school, within my curriculum, because school is a busy ecosystem. (laughs) There are many different competing priorities And so I think, you know, once people became aware of the diverse stories that were out there, it was then, well, which stories and and how do I justify which stories I do include and don't include and the resourcing of that as well. It can take quite a lot of time to find stories. um, And, you know, in an attempt to be an architect of the curriculum, it's about, I think, using these textbooks in a really powerful way to help shape and develop your curriculum. Um, in an accessible way, which I think beforehand it seemed like a you know there was a vast ocean of different stories yeah. that you could include, um, and I think it's just really made it accessible um, for many different heads of department and teachers to implement it in their classroom. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. Does anyone else want to sort of chip in on that? Sort of, you know, why why is there so much buzz about these depth study books? I mean, I think Alex is absolutely right. There's there has been a big drive over the last kind of. 10 or so years to to really yeah. recognize that the the narrative that has been traditionally um kind of taught in schools has led to the and possibly unintentionally um the exclusion or the marginalization of a substantial group of of our communities and that would have been reflected in the students that we're teaching who would not have seen themselves represented within the curriculum um and so the wider we can make yeah, that lens yeah. uh the more impactful it is going to be on on all of our students because every one of them is going to benefit from understanding yeah. these stories yeah i think we've we've said quite a long you know there's been a kind of a driver for this series that you know it's it's trying to open up the past the study of the past beyond the we've, we've said it we've described it, the narrow tram lines that have shaped many schemes of learning over the years and and you know a diverse curriculum really is about is about giving a fuller picture and like you say Dan about about highlighting the sort of often ignored contributions of often marginalized um people yeah um certainly a real buzz about the books i'm just going to just going to move on about uh, re- regarding regarding um that and sort of again perhaps perhaps pin down this book um because the book we're chatting about today is the new Fight for Rights book. Um, so just to sort of explain that and unpack that a bit, the book's divided into four case studies, the fight for women's rights, um, the fight for disability rights, the fight for black uh, civil rights and the fight for LGBTQ plus rights. And, and, and authors for each of those sections are, are on this podcast now so um perhaps I'll, I'll i'll carry on with you dan if i may what why why do you think we should study these fights um what do students gain for it what why should uh, i guess I, i'll direct it to start with towards dan but i'd love others to chip in what why should schools make space for it i mean apart from the the obvious things that we've just mentioned about how important it is to have representation I think there's some really powerful themes which have a universal um, recognition through them. And so being able to, first of all, acknowledge 
that there are communities in our past who have had to deal yeah. with obvious examples of prejudice and discrimination. Um, but actually focusing on the ways in which those communities have come through that struggle and have used resilience and have used resistance in multiple different forms, which you will see expressed through that, through the textbook, and have ultimately come through and brought developments which have had massive benefits for the whole of society. So whether that is the extension of the franchise or whether that is the um, ability to marry a partner of your choice um, or express yourself in a way that that feels comfortable to you, that is going to have a massive universal benefit. And so for our students to be able to understand the way in which those struggles have been fought not always one it's never been a smooth path it's not a linear progress through um, these kind of challenges mm. but to see those stories of resistance and resilience is very inspiring yeah. and hopefully people will tap into those stories and connect with them and they might be able to kind of find somewhere in which they are reflected in those stories yeah. I think that's a really good shout because we, we know, don't we, as, as classroom practitioners, we know that students benefit from seeing their identities represented in course content. And, you know, the modern classroom is a diverse place. You know, society is a diverse place. So, so the curriculum should really reflect that. Um, is, is there anyone else want to sort of chip in? You know, why, why should schools make space for it? I mean, it's a bit of an open goal. This is a question, isn't it? I think as has been touched upon by um, a number of people, um, or none of the contributors, there are loads of reasons why we should do this. But I think one of the reasons that I've found really, really important is it allows students to answer this question. What does history do for us right now? What does history do for us today? Why is it important? And I think more often than not, sometimes you can be teaching um, units or you can be teaching topics which are incredibly interesting. But, you know, our students within the classroom are still asking themselves that question, okay, so why is this important to us today? And um, just a shout out to Act Fairland, because at the moment we're currently teaching um, the first, well, one of the units, the um, Fight for Rights with Female Suffrage. And um, one of the, we, we literally lifted an inquiry question from that, which focused on, you know, what the suffrage movement meant or means in the 21st century, which is really interesting because, you know, you do definitely encounter um the fight for universal suffrage that occurred in, you know, the early, well, the late 20th and early 21st century, but you're able to bring it right the way through to the modern day. And we had an, I had an amazing lesson with the shoot there. First, you know, we looked at the girl rights and, and the Spice Girls, and I was able to engage in nostalgia, and I was able to openly say, you know what, finally, I can admit I liked the Spice Girls. But more importantly, though, yeah, I, could, I couldn't say that when I was in year six, but more importantly, though, it allowed us to really, really ask important questions about discrimination. There was an interpretation that we looked at where, quite simply, um, a female was made redundant as a result of her um, gender, her gender. And it sparked massive debate within the classroom because there are conversations around, you know, should this happen? Should this not happen? What kinds of, of course it shouldn't, but what kinds of discrimination do this woman face? And it really, really allowed us to open up conversations, allow us to touch on some of those um, notorious social media influencers. I will refrain from saying the gentleman's name, 
But it allowed us to firmly challenge that, but also get them to understand this is why it's important. And that fight that women started in, as I said, the you know um, late 20th and early 21st century has resonance. It has importance now. And you can take, you can switch gender with race. You can switch race with sexuality. You can switch it with all of these different categories and you could understand the importance that it had. So that for me is one of the most important reasons why this should be studied it allows students to make sense of the purpose of history right now for them in their lives that's a really really good shout thank you yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of build on that a little bit with a with a uh with another question perhaps perhaps if i can i mean you you mentioned there about you know the fact that you've used something that alex alex's alex in alex's section um and perhaps if i if i get some of you thinking about the bits that you've written um you know what? What perhaps if I if I bring you in here, uh, Becky, and just sort of say, you know what? What have been the standout bits to write? What you know? Have you had? Have you? You know, I, I, I say this to, to to all of you. You know, have have you had your eyes opened? You know, what stories stand out for you? Perhaps Becky, if I start with you on that one. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I really enjoyed um writing about the protesters that broke into the BBC. Uh, news at six studio uh, <laughs> and some other protesters who uh, abseiled into uh, into parliament um, to protest uh, section 28 um, a, a lot of the work that I ended up writing um, I, I'd started looking at from basically from scratch with some work that I was doing at, at my school and and all of it really kind of was was an eye-opening thing because I was like I don't I didn't know any of this I didn't know any of this history yeah. you know and this is history that it, you know I was born in 1989, so I was, like, I was very end of the 80s. Uh, but, you know, my mum, you know, lived through all of that. It's not that long ago, you know, but there's so much that I had no idea about. Um, and just these examples of people protesting in, in a really kind of innovative way, like yeah. the abseiling thing. I, I read something as, as I was doing the research for it where, um, you know, they would basically had to buy uh like washing lines and stuff out of a nearby market and stuff to try and uh, make the little abseils and i just i just think they're great examples of people trying to you know make a stand against something that they knew was going to be detrimental to their community um and I, I felt the same about um writing about hiv and aids uh one of the main reasons I, you know i wanted to include that section i watched uh it's a sin and if anyone's not watched that you should definitely yeah, watch yeah. that um and, Cracking yeah, scene. and just this realization that there, there's so much, so much of like modern day homophobia is related mm. to things that happened in the 80s, and it's related to yes. the HIV and AIDS crisis, and uh, you know there's so much that can be linked to that. And I thought understanding what what went on in the 1980s with the LGBT community explains a lot of stuff today. Kind of linking back to what what Josh was saying about you know people understanding uh, what's what's going on today. Yeah, it was certainly. Yeah, I, yeah. As a as a series editor, I looked at obviously I look at all of the stories and all of the bits and bobs, and and you know we try and sort of uh, knock it into shape and play around mm. with things. And and yeah, there was time and time again I was going, no way, no way. Whether it was whether it was those whether it was the protesters that you were writing about, Becky, or it, whether it was the riot girls that Alex that Alex was talking about, or or making that link between between uh, an Eddie Grant song and, and Brixton riots. And it was just like, wow. And, and, and interesting, the parallels are there. At the same time as protesters are breaking into the BBC studios, they're, they're, they're around the same era. They're outside ITV studios trying to block Telethon with the, disab the disability protesters are and the, and, the, and the DAN network, the direct action network um, 
are, are blocking bridges for to trying to campaign for better access to public transport in the disability module. So there's lots of parallels there. Um, can anyone else sort of chip in with sort of bits and bobs that they that perhaps I'll, I'll just repeat, you know, have your eyes were opened or what stories stand out for you? I mean, one thing which I was really um, thrilled to be able to, to do was take some of the work that we've been doing at our school right. and kind of shift it into print. And in particular, the inquiry question, which kind of forms the foundation of the LGBT units, which is this question around what's driving the big changes mm. towards kind of the yeah. improvement of position. Is it parliament? Is it uh, protest? Is it pop culture? And I think that final one, uh, the pop culture stuff, is the stuff which I really, really like, because that's also a way of bringing in a different approach to the construction yes. of history yes. and the way in which history is you know, so much is dominated by the written form historically. Um, and so being able to use, you know, pin badges or songs or, yeah. you know, posters from films or yeah. anything which kind of breaks away from, again, you know, that traditional um, approach towards, you know, the construction of history. And so, yeah, that that for me was was a really great, part of the writing yeah yeah anyone else want to sort of chip in i don't know whether you you know remember you know what what stories stand out for you i mean i was particularly it's so you know when i was editing it was kind of the riot girls that kind of i felt that passed me by in uh, you know and, and and that was a that was a bit of a jaw dropper for me i just had no idea yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to chip in. Um, so, as you know, I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm really fortunate to be working at the same school as Dan. And one of the key things we look at in our school is like the marginal marginalisation and the silence of the history. Um, and so, the 1981 Brixton um, section was really important for me. First and foremost, being from Brixton myself, so I'm from Brixton. So this story very, very much resonates and touch touches home. But a bit more further than that, it was the opportunity to give the people from Brixton a voice. Because for so yeah, long, yeah. you know, this event has been viewed as a riot, right? Um, mm. But for the people of Brixton, it wasn't a riot. And it was a result of a culmination of various different forms of discrimination they faced. And for me, you know, just doing justice to history yeah. and just giving these people a voice, which, you know, goes into the classroom for me, was so, it was so rewarding and not only for example is you know the story about i'm you know i refer to it as the bricks and uprisings and yeah. using eddie grant song which was also quite cool because growing up as a youngster my dad used to play eddie grant <sighs> and you know i had you know and i had the opportunity to you know reach out to him and say look yeah might having these lyrics and the song which they said yes to but for me the final thing was you know our students encountering really really important changes you know the the first um black mps bernie grant um, Diane Abbott, for example, these stories for me were just really, really powerful. And I, w I just felt so lucky. And I felt that not only was it amazing telling that story, but it connected the story of Notting Hill. It connected the story of Bristol. And that was lucky. And I, I know I know I've kind of moved on, but it links to the book. Our year nine, a, a huge part of our year nine curriculum is underpinned by so many inquiries in this book because that that theme of protest, that theme of 
marginalized groups, whether it be um, the suffrage movement, for example, the black civil rights or the LGBTQ plus movement. I think these are just really, really powerful stories. And I felt lucky to write my chapter, but I was equally or my kind of section, but I equally just felt lucky enough to just work with such an amazing team. Yeah. Really, really tell these stories that push kind of the, the story. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I, I think that's just to pick up on that, that, um, you know, L- Lindsay Bruce, who who can't join us today, and I wrote the disability rights section. And, and there, there are just so many standout stories for me. And the history of disability rights, like so many of the fight for rights we, we cover in the book, is, is just a, it's just a history of remarkable people doing remarkable things, whether it's, you know, Rosa Mae Billinghurst, you know, who's featured on the cover, um, you know, a wheelchair, or, she, or as she would call it, a tricycle user uh, and prominent suffragette, or whether it's Ben Purse and his March of the Blind. And, you know, in 1920, 170 blind and visually impaired people walked from Newport in South Wales to London and they're demanding, you know, justice, not charity. Um, or whether it's the struggles of Paul Hunt in the early years of the independent living movement, or Maggie and Ken Davis of the, and the Grove Road housing scheme in Nottinghamshire. I mentioned it before about the Dan protesters, the Direct Action Network, who, who blocked buses on London Bridge, and and others who disrupted children in need and ITV telephone, just just ITV um, telephone event that doesn't happen anymore as a consequence of those disability rights protesters. Just amazingly resilient, determined people who made real change. So I guess for me, the bits that opened my eyes are their stories and they're like hidden histories, if you you like. And and we share their stories in the book, often in their own words, which I think is really important as well. And it's both I guess it's both enlightening and, and humbling at the same time. Um, just, uh, b- building on that a little bit, um, we, we perhaps perhaps if I bring you in, Alex, here, um, what have been the particular challenges and um, opportunities so uh, in writing this book or your section of the book? Do you want to sort of start, kick us off there? Yeah, I'll start with the positives. Let's start with the positives. I think um, the opportunities of writing the book and having it in a curriculum is the transformative potential of it. You know, as Audrey Lord said about, you know, the master's house and the tools to deconstruct it, our curriculum can be transformative for our pupils. They are not, you know, passive bodies sat in a classroom. Instead, what we've got to do is we've got to empower them to change the future. And if we look at contemporary issues, you know, in terms of misogyny, um, the recent spike in transphobia, um, ableism, and also when we look at systemic racism, what we know is that in order for our children to be able to tackle these issues, to create a more equitable and equal society, this textbook will help to create a transformative curriculum which empowers them to have the knowledge and the tools with which to do so. You know, I really like kind of um, the one of the extracts, um, the interpretations from Unfinished Business, which talks about how, you know, my previously marginalised groups, what they've had to do is look for unorthodox ways to yeah. protest and to resist. And, you know, the idea that they've had to be really inventive with that and quite radically different. Mm. And I think that could be something which is really inspiring. So I think, you know, one of the main opportunities behind it is the social justice aspect of it. And for me, 
the opportunity of writing this book was the fact that I could see how this could work in the classroom and how, you know, it could be something which could not only be used within the classroom, but also student councils, etc. With that, though, comes the, the challenge of it in that I think, you know, many history teachers, um, in fact, not all, and ourselves in particular, are very passionate about history and in particular certain specialisms that we have. And so for me, when I was looking at women's right, it was the vast amount of content and yes. narratives that could have been included. So, for example, you know, when we're looking at the suffragettes, um, I included Fern Riddell's um, interpretation yeah. in yeah. that. And I would love to have written about 40 spreads on just Kitty <laughs> Marion alone. Yes. Um, and, you know, how she experienced within the theatre industry um sexism misogyny sexual abuse and how we've seen that in the me too movement and how that's echoed through time i would have you know i would have happily written about 40 more different spreads <laughs> and so with that comes you know which narratives did you have to yeah. kind of prioritize to get into the spread and how do you kind of justify that's what tough. you didn't and yes. yeah you just kind of hope that you've wet the appetite enough yeah. for people to then be able to go on and look a little bit further um, and, you know, you want to include as well, including Fern Riddell's interpretation. I was like, I want to include about 70 more of her pages as well. But I think um, a really interesting challenge um, behind it was getting the rights to things. Um, so I know that this was it was the same with um, another chapter, um, which is where in order to get the rights to Bikini Kill, um, Double Dare You, we didn't know if we would actually be able to secure those oh, rights. Right. Um, and so actually emailing Bikini Kill, who, you know, when I was like, well, I even now, but, you know, when I was a young person growing up was such an inspirational band to me. And I was like, I can't believe that I'm emailing them to ask for these rights. And they were really gracious about it. So I am very appreciative um, of them con- uh, allowing us to include that in the, in the textbook. Yeah, jo- Josh had a similar story when he, when, when he was trying to get, um, when, when he was trying to get rights and, and, and yeah, had no problem really at all, Josh. He, you know, he's pinged back straight away with, uh, with Eddie. Is that right, isn't it, Josh? Um, yeah, like just like Alex said, I couldn't believe it. It's you yeah. know, <laughs> the editors are like, you know, um, we'd love to use these lyrics, but uh, you know, they've got to be cleared and you've got to go and speak to them. So, literally, I you know, I've, I've emailed Sony and Sony have forwarded me through to you know, Eddie Grant, and you know, I'm, I'm having to ask, and you know, he turns around and says, Yes, but it's, it's a surreal moment, isn't it? Because it brings yeah. you contact with a hero, a childhood yeah. hero who you never ever thought you'd ever speak to and I, yeah. my dad would be, would be so proud really <laughs> that's brilliant that's brilliant does anyone else want to sort of chip in remember we, we're talking about challenges and opportunities yeah i i, um, I do if that's all right um yeah crack I, on, please, I, in actually. terms of opportunities i think what was really important with um with the stuff that that we wrote in our in our section was about um students being able to see themselves in in the curriculum and i think yeah. actually that's that's yeah. true for you know the entire book really yeah um, yeah agree we do uh, again when we do a, the scheme that our stuff is is based on in year nine they um i get them to write about a, a group of their choice and how how kind of their uh, their fight for rights has, has changed over time and right. it's so lovely covering that information because the students choose different groups each time and I, I remember okay. sitting there with a you know a, a stack of 30 assessments and every single kid there's a real mix you know and some of them have chosen to wow. write about a group that resonates with them um some of them have chosen to write a group that you know resonates with one of their friends or you know they might not find one of those groups that you know they they particularly fit with but they think yeah. Do you know what actually I'm really interested in this particular yeah. bit of history that I didn't know before um so I, I found that you know a really really good opportunity for for students to be able to see themselves um in terms of things I, I was a bit worried about um particularly right in the 
the LGBTQ plus chapter, um, I was worried about getting the, like the balance right of yes it's so difficult like I mean I, Alex said about you know choosing which bits go in and which bits you have to you have to leave out and obviously the LGBTQ plus community is so broad I really wanted to ensure that we were telling mm. as much of that story yeah. as accurately as possible we wanted to make sure that we demonstrated the interse- intersectionality making sure the community was represented mm. um and and I really wanted to do my my friends justice I've got I remember at the beginning yes. of this project talking to one of my LGBT uh, friends and he was really clear about the you know the lack of education that he had had at school obviously he was at school at the end of section 28 he'd had you know no yeah. no information about lgbt history at all and i wanted to give our students like the representative history education that my friends weren't given so i'm just mm. you know really conscious that you wanted to do that well um for other people mm. to to benefit from can i just yeah, please, um, add on to that yeah. because again having the experience of of teaching this in our in our classrooms, one of the way in which we kind of assess our work on this topic is to get the students to construct their own digital archive, okay. um, and they select uh, three or four or five different pieces of could be material culture, but other source material, which um, allows them to answer that inquiry question, which I mentioned earlier. And what, you know, there's a couple of things which really kind of stood out from that experience. One in particular was a student who felt so comfortable and so secure about the experience that she'd gone through that she openly um, kind of identified herself as LGBT within the writing of that assessment okay. and she talked about our community and how it feels wow. for her self or so. And I thought for me, I mean, that, just was wow. a golden moment yeah. that i mean that really is just kind of like the pinnacle and then a lot similarly um i wrote in my acknowledgement at the front of the book mm-hmm. i gave a shout out to uh, a student called maggie who was has always been a such a strong advocate for her community lgbt community within our school and she when she left the school she wrote me this most incredible letter about how it meant so much to her that we as a history department and as a school ourselves were were acknowledging her community and bring it into the curriculum and it was just so touching to get that um and you know if these books the stories that we're bringing here can touch these people's lives in such a incredible way then that's a wonderful outcome as well and this this was a really really powerful moment for me which i I, you know i've been able to bring into the classroom one of the things that we really really focus on in the classroom is the construction of history and how there's a massive difference between the past what happened and history the narratives that we choose to tell about what happened and i you know firsthand came across this when looking at the publishing now one of the key things that comes across in the the chapter on Brixton is how um, the community at that time were able to come together and they used something known as the Pardoner Scheme. So the Pardoner Scheme actually originated in West Africa, right? So the Pardoner Scheme, basically how they used the Pardoner Scheme to buy, um, to, you know, access mortgages and buy homes in Brixton. Now, for me, what was so interesting about that, and, you know, the publishers were really good on this, but there was a moment where that might have not been included in the book, right? And what I was able to do, fortunately, and what OUP really acknowledged, they said, no, it's an important story. And it was included in the book. 
But one of the things I need to get, I got across my students, I said, well, if you didn't have a publisher, for example, who was open to hearing that, and if you didn't have me, for example, somebody who's from that community yeah, yeah. and somebody knew about this firsthand, what happens? That story disappears. That story becomes marginalized. It becomes something that happened in the past, but it doesn't become a part of history. And I just thought that was a really, really powerful thing for our students to understand when understanding the construction of history and the importance of power in that construction. And yeah, just also telling that story. But that, I, that for me was was yeah. an amazing thing to share. Yeah, it's a really interesting. But I think I think um, yeah. I th- I think that's a really good call. I, I genuinely do think with this book we are breaking new ground. I, I, I really do. I mean, that for me was a, as the writer of the disability case study was the fact that there was there was no real accepted canon. You know, there was no there was no established way of presenting things. And, and you know, when you write something, I write a lot of stuff. And when you write something on Weimar and Nazi Germany for AQA, you know, there's a spec to follow. Even at key stage three, there's a, there's often well established routes through topics. Um, but, but I do feel that we're breaking new ground here. And, and thank goodness we could seek advice of, you know, lots of us tapped into expert groups and individuals. You know, we've name checked a few of them here. You know, for me, you know, it was Tony Tony Stevens at Disability Rights UK. The People's Museum in Manchester were just brilliant at making sure we got things right. You know, they, they made sure that we told the disability rights story from a disability perspective. Um, you know, we we followed a definition of disability developed by disabled people. You know, that was our driver, and that's that's a point that sort of we that we should make really that you know we we use authentic voices at every turn. So for me, this book has just allowed us so many opportunities to to you know to to, to as I said before to highlight the often ignored contributions of often in marginalised people. Um, pick, picking picking up with with Dan again about I mean anyone really I mean we've all sort of chipped in. Um, is there is there a particular year group or a place where fight for rights would best fit? Do you feel? Um, I, you know, I don't I don't know whether anyone wants to sort of t- take that up a bit. Or I mean, I'll, I'll kick us off. Please do. I Thanks, mean, I Dan. Think, I, think, I think the obvious answer is it will go everywhere. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> it, yeah. it will go everywhere and anywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I mean, you know that. In two, if I blow my own trumpet slightly, blow away. In, uh, in terms of my heritage in these kind of uh, topics, in 2006, I wrote an article, my first article for Teaching History magazine, uh, which was called Integrating Black History into the Curriculum. And in that article, I argued that this histories, these histories should be dripped in throughout the entire yeah, curriculum. Yeah. It should not be the kind of classic bolt on for October for Black History yeah. Month, February for LGBT <laughs> History Month, and so on. And that is still so relevant to today. And I know Alex has particularly has done a lot of work kind of within the community, the history teaching community, arguing about how you weave these stories in. Alex, you're going to have to jump in because I can't remember this particular <laughs> phrase that you use in the way in which you talk about these stories being weaved through the curriculum. Um, and that's why this book is going to be so important because you can tap into it at all different elements of the curriculum. You know, it doesn't have to be a, just a, a bolt on at the end of year nine, for example. Yeah, thank you for that, Dan. Um, the term is blended, not binary. Um, so the idea go. that it's blended. And if you want kind of like a less 
posh way of saying it. It's kind of like a lemon drizzle cake, which is where like, you know, you curriculum the cake and then the drizzle that runs through it is all these kind of diverse stories, which just enriches it and makes it that more powerful. So, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to start to sort of think about sort of wrapping this up. We, you know, we, we're sort of coming towards sort of the end of the time that we wanted to um, that we, we, we we've got allotted um and just again to to anyone really what that there might be some teachers that are um concerned about not concerned but have some reservations about teaching you know sensitive or potentially contentious topics in their context you know in their classroom so what perhaps advice might you give a teacher who is a little bit concerned about teaching sensitive or potentially contentious topics of part of a study um, on fight for rights. Anyone want to sort of pick that up a bit? I think um, there's got to be really powerful conversations had at a departmental level. And Kate Smee also advocates that, you know, you work in conjunction with your senior leadership team to make sure that you've got their support as well. But I think at a departmental level, it's how the head of department drives conversations about diversity because, We've got to bear in mind that there are people who would have taught during the era of Section 28. You know, they will have a very different experience from perhaps newer to the profession teachers had in terms of what they could and couldn't teach. And there will be this kind of sense of kind of worry. And, you know, there's a really good film called Blue Jean, which focuses on a teacher in the Northeast and kind of like she herself is LGBTQ and that kind of that situation that she had in the 80s about what she wanted to talk about but worried that she would lose her job so I think with that you've got to work hard with your teams to establish a shared understanding of what is meant by the term diversity because each person has a very different lived experience and will come to the term with very different understanding of it it seems like a kind of a a, a kind of well everyone should know what diversity is but I myself as you know, a white cis female, I can't talk about diversity or understand the experiences of many different people in my classroom, in my department and in society. So I think having a shared understanding of what the word means, um, what a shared vision of diversity is within your curriculum and within your teaching and learning to make sure that when developing curriculum tools, that there is this kind of common thread. And I think working really hard on the language as well. Yes. And what is the agreed language that will be used and, and having those conversations with pupils? Because, again, you know, I'm as myself, I'm a heterosexual cis person. So for me to use the term such as queer, I've got to establish if that's appropriate within my department and with the children that I teach who are LGBTQ. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, it's about how we invest in a lot of staff training because, you know, we are going to have to get on you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. You know, we are talking about uncomfortable history to many is, you know, Maya Angelou says you do the best you can until you know better. When you know better, you do better. And I think it's about creating that psychological safety and that cognitive safety for staff members to have the space to educate and grow in their knowledge and know that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you then when you realise that you've made one, do something about it and and try to prevent that from going forward in the future. But it's all got to sit behind subject knowledge and given the opportunity for the development of subject knowledge, which is why I think actually the textbook is useful as a training tool with staff, not just as as an artefact within the classroom. It's how you sit together as a department and you say, okay, we need to have a thread of LGBTQ going through our curriculum what is this going to look like? Let's take away these pages and let's do some study and come back and discuss the narratives that we've come across. 
I think that's I think that's a really that's an excellent point. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Alex. But also, there's the the it just picking up again on what Alex was saying about creating safe spaces, but also how important that is within the classroom context as well. And what I remember when I was working doing some stuff with the Imperial War Museum, where we made some work uh, some videos around teaching empire and race and uh, migration and so on. Um, working with Fumi Stewart, who um, talks about the need to front load the lessons in terms of the language that you're going to be using about the kind of um, framework that you're working with with the students and and really kind of focusing on a very clear expectation for the students going into those lessons yeah. in terms of language that they use and the kind of conversation uh, establishing ground rules really isn't it yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly okay thank you did uh, Be- becky and josh did you want to sort of pick up on anything it's yeah the, so we were just talking about you know a teacher that mm. might be a bit, a bit a bit concerned as it were yeah well, I, I had a you, i had a couple of conversations about this um a little while ago because i did a i did a as Dan would know, did a thing with uh, with SHP, and I, I had some people message me, and they're like, "How you know we're really worried that uh, um, you know this might not be as easy as some of our other topics." Um, and the first thing I said was was yeah. to remember that it, although it can be sensitive history, it is history. You know, it happened. The people that we're talking about existed. Although it, you know it is sensitive history, it is history. Yeah, you know, we're in the business of, of telling history as accurately as we can manage. Um, so, you know, for LGBTQ plus people, they've existed all the yeah. way through history. All marginalised groups deserve to have their story told, you know, and, and students in the class may not personally feel the way that mm. the, the, the people in those stories feel, you know, but th- their history still happened. We we don't expect that, you know, people are, you know, only German people learn about, learn about German history. Did, uh, did anyone else want to um, chip in? Yeah. Thank you, Josh. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was adding, I think both um, Alex and Becky made some some really, really important points, which I'd like to build on. Um, I think, of course, I think one of the things that Alex mentioned, which is really important, um, where you may not necessarily identify with a group kind of thing, having that sense of, you know, sensitivity and, can you say, front-loading and making sure um, you get the terminology right and you do it justice. But equally, I think one of the... One of the things that Becky was, I think, teasing out, and this is, I guess, this is something that I've also had difficulty in. As you know, I'm very, you know, unapologetic, unapologetic in, you know, being a black male for quite a long time. In during my personal secondary school um, education, a lot of histories that were important to me weren't taught. For, you know, things around um, sensitivity, issues around subject knowledge, and so I think for me, I kind of feel like. I have a duty of just a duty of service to those other groups, for example, whose stories, just like me when I was younger, I wanted to see my school there. I've got a duty of service to kind of make sure their stories in there. And I think what this book does in a, in a really, really amazing way, it gives me the subject knowledge and a degree of confidence in getting it right. Now, look, one of the things I will say is, you know, we don't always get it right. You know, there even as a as a black male, there's been aspects of, you know, the the history of the transatlantic slave trade that I've got wrong. And, you know, I've had to reflect on that. I've had to come back against that and do it again. But I think as teachers, you know, I think it's quite important for us to recognize that we are trying to do the right thing in life. 
Alex said, seeking out kind of that support from senior leadership team, engaging with CPD to making sure to make sure you understand how to deliver it, but equally understanding that look, there may be times where unfortunately you don't necessarily get it in the right way, but it's still important to make sure those stories are seen because as Dan alluded to, that story you tell might be the difference in making sure that a person is com- confident enough to come out and be who they are. And that's 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 for me. So I've always found it difficult when there's been arguments against it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's all. I think, you know, thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. I, you know, I think we've 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 nailed down this sort of not just just this fab new OUP title, but I think we've sort of nailed down some of the some of the issues, perhaps concerns, some of the some of the things that we've wanted to say about sort of our drivers for this this series. So, thank you very much, Becky and Dan and Alex and Josh. Yeah, take care. Have good evenings and uh, look after yourselves. <laughs>